What would your life look like if you felt confident in your body and in your health habits? We believe that confidence is possible for all people. This is the Free Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Dylan Murphy, registered dietitian and owner of Free Method Nutrition. We are dedicated to empowering women to make peace with food, heal their relationship with their body, and create sustainable health habits. Come hang with us each week as we have conversations that will inspire you to live a life of freedom. Let's dive into today's show. Welcome back to another episode of Free Method Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lauren Martin, who is a therapist here in Nashville. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dylan. I'm so excited to talk today. Yes, I'm excited for this combo. So to start, could you tell our listeners just a little more about who you are and kind of the work that you do? Yeah, so obviously my name is Lauren. I don't even know why I feel the need to like always start with that. I think my brain yes. has just like <laughs> equated that together. Yes. In case you um, didn't know. Yeah, but I'm a licensed therapist in Nashville. I specialize in um, over-control, maladaptive perfectionism, which can connect to eating disorders, but a lot of anxiety, a lot of neurodivergent women. I see men too, but most of my practice is women. And um, the modality I use for that um, that I specialize in is radically open DBT. Along with therapy, I do speaking, I host a podcast, and then I'm coming out with a planner this year. So a little bit of dabbling in things that all of us overthinkers and overdoers yes. need access to. Oh, yes. I know you sound very much like me where it's like, I have my practice and then I have all these other things too, because my practice wasn't enough. Right. <laughs> I need more right. chaos. And if I'm a burnout expert, am I practicing what I'm preaching and I'm trying? Yes. That's all that we can do. <laughs> totally. Yes. Um, so when you say over-controlled, and then I think, what did you say? You said over-controlled, maladaptive, Perfection. Yes. So for people listening who maybe are like, I know what each of those words mean, but like, what do they mean altogether? Or like, what does that even mean? Um, could you tell us a little more about that? Yeah. So like how I came about this was that when I started working as a therapist, I was in a practice that worked predominantly from a DBT lens. Mm -hmm. And so typically like DBT DBT was way for people like me. Like I am big. I am verbocious. You can see everything on my face. Like, yes, I'm a perfectionist, but it's not hidden mm -hmm. and everything is just out there. And so for me, my personal work has been on like mute, not muting, but like taking it down a notch. Like I need to like be the most all the time. Mm -hmm. And so for me taking it down a notch, that's what my focus has been and what I was doing clinically um, and I think a lot of therapy is geared for that of like, Hey, ah, like you're, you're a lot, let's get you like, mm -hmm. you know, sorted out into this box. But yeah. I kept getting clients that they felt like they needed DBT, um, just because like they were dealing with suicidality, they were dealing with like chronic eating disorders. They were dealing with these really, I hate the word treatment resistant, but they were dealing with problems that like weren't budging despite knowing all the skills and being like the best therapy client and all of these things. Um, and I was introduced to radically open DBT and what that focuses on is that over control. Mm -hmm. So that idea of it's too much of a good thing. So if you can keep it together, if you're more of an imploder than an exploder, um, you know, do you tend to numb out? Do you tend to shut down? Does everything have to be perfect? Mm -hmm. I mean, and from our perspective, like if we think about eating disorders, like 
I've seen it be a little bit more flexible. But if we think about the function of anorexia as being something that's numbing, but yet that shutdown system is energy preserving. So like you can have the straight A's, you can host the best parties, you can be this like people pleaser and all these things with very little fuel in your body because of that shutdown system. Mm. And so for me, my, I feel like my job is to get people that are more internalizing out there. So getting comfortable with taking up space, getting comfortable with speaking their mind, challenging some of that people pleaser tendencies and like letting things just sort of exist in the gray. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a recovering hot mess that Mm overcorrected to perfectionism. So now I'm in that middle, but what I tend to gravitate towards and work well with are those that have been longtime perfectionists, mm-hmm. people pleasers, and really just want to experience like a taste of messiness, yeah. um, but in a more skillful way. Yes. Which is probably, I mean, because I feel like I very much fall in that category of like people pleaser, perfectionist. Like, I feel like most clinicians probably do, or at least business owners like probably yeah. do. Um, and I feel like that probably is like very uncomfortable work too. But also I could see it being very like rewarding, but it's kind of that, like, uh, do I really want to do this? Like, cause even oh, yeah. thinking about like the way I've operated in the past and even like now in times of like not being the most healthy, like it still works, but then inside you're like, I am losing my mind, but like everything outside, I'm like keeping it all together. And like, we're just running in all this little chaos. Yes. I want to tell you an example of this because I, because I did overcorrect to being perfectionistic. Last night we were in line at a restaurant to, um, we had a reservation. Mm-hmm. And the, the host just wasn't doing their job. I used to work in restaurants. Like I get it. But these people, because they had, um, they got their text, they walked ahead of us and they were oh, trying to like okay. skirt the line a little bit. Mm-hmm. And normally I'd be like, it's fine, whatever. But I looked at them and I said, Hey, like we're in line too. And I was, well, we have a text. And I said, well, I have a reservation. So like, this is what we're doing. And inside, yeah. I thought I was going to vomit. I thought I was going to like <laughs> fall apart. Yes. And my husband was so impressed because he knows I, I don't do yeah. that because I'm so conditioned to just tolerate. Mm-hmm. And so like doing that move, I was like, I'm so amazing. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's like out of your comfort zone, but like so good. Yes. Uh. So with people who are in more of that, like over-controlled, perfectionistic category, do you see any trends as far as like background, family upbringing, like first, like even like birth order, like anything that kind of you've been able to see as far as like correlations? I I would like to say yes, because when I first started, it was very similar of, um, a lot of history with um, high academics or high achieving in like sports or um, dance. Mm, So it's more like what they were put into. Um, I do think it's cross cultural, but it will show up a little bit different. Like in, um, in those that are Asian or those that are black or those that are like, it's all different. And even across like socioeconomic statuses, Mm -hmm. there's different flavors of it. And so, to me, I like to live in the nuance of it, mm-hmm. but a lot of the core things that I've seen, and I like to go more theme wise is what's been reinforced. So like what you were just speaking to over control is so reinforced. So like, did you, were you praised when you were polite? Were you praised 
when you achieved? Um, did you gain a reputation for being the best listener? Mm-hmm. And like, so to me, the theme, no matter where you were age-wise or um, where you grew up is the environment or culture heavily, heavily praises mm-hmm. perfection. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes in different ways. And the longer that I've been doing this, like when I first started doing our DBT, I was very boxed into that model of like, you are this and you are that and you must, you know, you must be a restrictor and all that. And I'm actually seeing that that's not the case clinically because of that overcorrection piece, especially in U.S. culture Mm. of that all or nothing or, you know, sort of compartmentalizing. So now I dive into the nuance of like, what does perfection mean to you? What does feeling safe mean to you? What's, what are you presenting to the world externally that isn't congruent or isn't matching up with who you want to be? Mm -hmm. Yes. That's such a good point. Cause I could see perfectionism looking different for different people. And like, I even feel like in my life, it's easy for me to kind of compartmentalize like, okay, I need perfectionism to exist in these spaces, but like, I feel like because of my perfectionism, people probably would think like, oh, she's like a super like type A, really strict, anxious mom. And I'm like the opposite. I'm like very chill, like go with flow, whatever, mm-hmm. which like doesn't make sense in other areas of my life. Cause I'm like in my business, I'm very like type A perfectionist. So it's interesting how it can kind of like exist in some pockets of your life and then not really in others. Well, in that approach versus avoidance mm. coping model. Because like you were saying, in your business, you're very approach focused, like get ahead of things, solve the problems before they even exist. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you know, we can be super avoidant space. Like how many times have I thought about this Instagram post before posting it? Or what have I delayed because I don't want to make a mistake? Or did I not sign up for that class? It, it's just funny. Like it can get so nuanced that it's easy to get lost in the details. Hello, detail oriented. Yeah. Um, but that's like where we think, how is your coping, whether it's very straight on or very like distant, mm-hmm. how is that getting in the way of your relationships? Mm-hmm. How's it getting in the way of your values, your goals, and also just like your physical and mental well being? Yeah. Yeah. What do you see an overlap with these like personalities and like, OCD, because some of this also sounds very like similar to that. Now with OCD, it can go, how it presents is a little bit different um, in the sense of there are some people with OCD, like where it is very, I don't want to say obvious, mm-hmm. but the, what drives it is more on that under control side yeah. mm-hmm. um, where it's less about fighting it. And it's more like that I think indulgent would be the word Uh as opposed to some OCD, like where it is very much like thought-based rituals, very hidden, very sneaky, that sort of deal. Um, And I also just think it's about, again, how it manifests because if it's more externalizing those, because the core mechanism of change in RO is getting what's happening internally Mm -hmm. to match externally. Yeah. So a client of mine that's more over controlled, if they are really struggling with like specific compulsions or rituals Mm -hmm. and, but they're doing a really good job at hiding it. What I would encourage them to do more than likely is to like connect with a friend or one that they trust, let them know what's going on Mm -hmm. and then welcome that feedback. If they catch them doing the compulsion or, you know, 
being caught up in their like OCD sort of mindset, as opposed to somebody like where it's very external. Mm-hmm. What we might be working on with them is a little bit of like fostering like independence and everything, yeah. but also making it less mm-hmm. a part of their framework. Cause that can be almost like clinging to. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That makes total sense. So when you're working with people who are very much in that like perfectionistic over-controlled camp, what are some of the like, maybe like general tips that you would give, or even maybe if it's like a speaking engagement where you're talking on it, because I know it can obviously look very different for like each individual person. Um, But I'm even thinking about for people listening who are like, oh my gosh, all of this is me. Like, what are some of the like tangible, like, okay, here are a few things you could like try and see if it helps. I mean, I think the big thing is, first thing is tuning into your body, eyebrows down. You know, like if you may say, oh, I feel anxious, but that can look really different than what's happening inside. So almost imagining yourself, if I were to like be a fly on the wall, mm-hmm. how am I presenting my anxiety? Because if I'm feeling misunderstood, if I'm feeling overlooked, if people aren't understanding my experience or they keep asking me to do things despite putting up a boundary, mm-hmm. how am I communicating that? How am I appearing when I communicate that? Mm. beginning to analyze that and see what's happening in the body Mm. because most people with eating disorders like that connection isn't there totally and our body is oftentimes I mean you know this but I want to repeat it like our body is oftentimes communicating so much faster than our brain Mm -hmm. so once we get synced up and we see like oh like I didn't know that I had my shoulders up with me all the time Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that in situations like even where I'm trying to trying to be professional I was like in that self-deprecating posture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would talk like, like with my shoulders up and I would break eye contact Mm -hmm. when really I wanted to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. So I could say the same things, but I need to like have my shoulders down. I need to make more eye contact. I need to speak in more declarative statements instead of, well, you know, like that sort of passivity piece. Mm -hmm. Um, so the idea of like what's happening, eyebrows down in my body and how is that appearing to others Mm -hmm. is really helpful because we think that we might be communicating like this is a boundary, Mm -hmm. but we're not. And so how do we work on that? Mm -hmm. And then the idea is always about finding the middle ground. Mm -hmm. Um, so if I am a person that tends to take on projects, Mm -hmm. You know, the thought would be, well, I need to stop taking on projects altogether. Mm, Yeah. But it's that idea of like, okay, what is the range of possibilities in between? Because there's doing what I'm still doing and then there's doing nothing, Mm -hmm. but there's a multitude of options in between. And how can I find all the possibilities so that I have an arsenal of options whenever I am faced with that? You know, maybe for me, accessing flexible mind is not committing to something within the first hour of being asked Mm. or the first day, Mm -hmm. or maybe it is saying no once a day, Mm -hmm. you know, there's different ways that we can practice this so that we don't end up in that ping ponging thing of, you know, taking long extended breaks, but then we rejuvenate because we're, you know, fully shut down and then we re-engage in where we were because, you know, it's uncomfortable living in the gray. Because mm-hmm. if you have to take ownership for it and be like, well, this is what I am deciding is good for me. There's yeah. no scapegoat. Yes. And that like gray area, I feel like is so, yeah, hard to live in. 
because it feels yeah. so like I feel like the black and white feel very like concrete defined like all or nothing and then the gray yeah it can be kind of uncomfortable and you're kind of like figuring out as you go and it's funny because I feel like that's so much of the conversation I have with my clients is even when it comes to like food and our body and all of that like how do we find this gray area because a lot of people come in with this like good and bad and all these like all or nothing rules so which oftentimes also stems from that like perfectionistic mindset as well yeah I mean it's a lot safer to be if we're following the rules to a T those rules are what's driving our behavior therefore they get to be the scapegoat if Mm -hmm. we're debunking the rules altogether Mm-hmm. the debunking then becomes the scapegoat of like, well, I'm not doing this at all. I'm going to do it my own way. But even my own way is a deflection of responsibility. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's the thing. If we sit in who we are, if we make decisions based on our values, if we if we say, all right, this has the opportunity to make some people uncomfortable, including myself, mm-hmm. but how can I go about it with intention? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. there's ways that you can avoid or even procrastinate with intention. Mm, yeah. So like if you tend to be a perfectionist, it's the idea of like, or in that over-controlled space, it's slowing down. It's really getting honest with ourselves of how we're presenting ourselves and information to the world mm-hmm. and really understanding like what's driving this behavior. Mm, yeah. And we just have to own it because I will tell you, there are times where I take I take things on or I do things that are fully rooted in my people-pleasing tendencies. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I say, you know what? I'm doing this just because it makes more sense to do. Mm-hmm. Like that's not excusing my behavior. That's saying like, hey, I'm just going to take whatever repercussions come in play. But like, I'm at least going to own it and know that I've made this decision considering all the options. Yes. Yes. And I feel like I've had to learn from those moments of just like, chaos where you like overcommit to a million things and I'm like why did I do all of this mm-hmm. and then you realize like oh well because I didn't feel like I could say no or it's like I wanted to be all things to everyone and now I'm like you know crumpling inside but outside it's like okay we can do this but like you said I like what you said about like eyebrows down because even thinking about like you may think you're presenting yourself one way but then when you look at like those like mannerisms, body language, how your shoulders are, you probably look more like tense and anxious than you probably think. Mm -hmm. And that's like where you can even own it with being congruent. Mm -hmm. So like, let's say you overcommit and you're doing this, you're at this um, shower that you agreed to host and you've been really stressed out about it. What you could do even leading up to it is like have that conversation with like your friends of, I overcommitted. Mm-hmm. I can only do X amount. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to recoup financially or in the like, or just say, Hey, I overcommitted. I can only do A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. See, now you have options. Yeah. Or let's just say you don't and you show up day of and you are aware that that tension and stuff is there. You go to the person you feel most safe with and say, mm-hmm. Hey, if I appear out of it, I am fine with everybody. I'm just, I burnt myself out. Yeah. Because that ownership piece, like if we think about that's the opposite of shame. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to own that I did this. I'm facing the repercussions Mm -hmm. instead of masking the whole time. Totally. Or just totally backing out and saying, I overcommitted. I'm backing out. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which again, feels like embracing the gray of like, it doesn't mean you have to be like, oh, I can't do this at all. I overcommitted. 
more so finding that middle ground of like, okay, how can I still do this, but maybe in a way that feels more manageable. And I know for me, it's like, how can I learn from this next time? Like, what can I do differently next time? Um, maybe not saying yes. Or I like what you said earlier about like thinking for like an hour or like a day before you say yes to something so that you're not just thinking off of that, like immediate thought of like, oh yeah, of course I'll do that. That sounds so fun. But really you're thinking through like, wait a second, when I look at my calendar, when I think about these things, does this really make sense? Yeah. And that curiosity piece, I think we're so quick to like want to label things as good or bad so that it makes sense to us. But even for us, I think a lot of people that tend to be perfectionistic or over-controlled have used shame as a motivator or used strictness of like, or beating ourselves up as a motivator when really, if we get curious with ourselves, it's like the way I um, talk about it. It's like, think about any coach that you've had in your past. I used to be a competitive gymnast. So like, yeah, I think we know where my perfectionism stemmed from. You <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you picked a wedgie on the beam, you lost, uh-huh. you know, yes. but that idea of um, my strictest coaches didn't empower me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they may have gotten the job done, but at a great expense. Mm-hmm. And then my most passive coach, they, they didn't push me. They were, they were kind, they were affirming, you know, I felt okay, but I did never feel a need to push. And we think about all of us have like a different flavor that we benefit from. But like mm-hmm. my best coach was actually my cheer coach in high school. And he was like, Lauren, I know you can do this. You're going to go to the corner. We're going to wait for you to throw this pass. But like, I know you can do it and you need to do it because it's mental block A, B, and C. Yeah. And this was like early 2000s. So like mental health was not like a common yeah. discussion, but even just saying like, this is a mental block. You know that you can do this. Trust yourself. We're waiting on you. Mm-hmm. Was that humiliating? Oh, yeah, standing in yeah. that corner. But I needed, in that moment, I needed to like, I needed something to to drive myself. And if I couldn't do it, we would still practice, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like that, whatever flavor in the middle works for you. But I think we're mm-hmm. so hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then that erodes our self-trust. And then we mask to everybody. Mm-hmm. But when we're more honest and we see that people actually welcome us for all of who we are mm-hmm. and don't kick us out. And those that do kick us out, we didn't even want to hang out with them anyway. Totally. You know, when we feel connected, when we feel more congruent, we're going to feel secure. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's going to loosen a lot of beliefs and things that we do to feel a false sense of safety in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That's so good. I think too, of like, it's very easy for the people that fall in that like perfectionism like people pleasing can't for people in your life to start like expecting you to say yes to all those things, to be all these things. And I think it's kind of like you just said, it's like once you kind of set more boundaries, the people that really matter should be the ones that are like, okay with it, appreciate you setting boundaries, that sort of thing. But it's also like, we kind of start to like set the standard where it's like, oh yeah, Dylan's the person that always does this or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And the, so I think it's easy. I know I found myself in the past in this of like, it's easy to just like continue in that mold without pushing back of like, wait, like I do enjoy being that person, but I don't know if I can be that person every single time. Like that's a lot of weight to carry. So what is that like gray area? Like we've talked about look like, which again can be scary too. It is scary. Like, and I think this is something that a lot of us do in that overcorrecting piece is that we don't give those that we care about context. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I said, Hey, I know I'm saying no a lot. And it's because I'm trying to, I'm trying to work on mm-hmm. over committing. Mm-hmm. Like there's, if our friends told us they're working on that, we'd be like, heck yeah. Yes. Like we would be like rooting them on. Totally. So we have to be okay with being helped and supported in that area. So like mm-hmm. the idea of context, um, and an RO, we also assess the environment. Like there's like in uh, lesson eight of the skills book, there's these six questions about potentially disguised social environments mm-hmm. or toxic environments. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not deflecting blame, you know, because we all play a part, but there are some people that are committed mm-hmm. to misunderstanding us and they're committed to receiving us in one form. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge the grief that comes with that. And we also keep that into consideration of I'm in this work environment or whatever work is just easy to think. Um, They're used to me being being a yes person and I'm going to start saying no, but knowing this environment, I'm not going to get the response that I'm hoping for. Mm, Now we're shifting the priority to, it's not based on their response. Mm. It's based on our standing up for ourselves. Yeah. And that's a big differentiator. And that's something I have to ask a lot of clients, especially when they start doing a lot of interpersonal stuff is, Mm -hmm. is it about you speaking your mind Mm -hmm. or is it about the objective? And that's, you know, if you've done DBT or RO, it's like, you know, what is your priority in the moment? The objective relationship, your self-respect or just self-inquiry and like gaining information. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do because then that also acknowledges that we can't have it all. Yeah. Which can feel hard and like defeating because I think the perfectionistic over-controlled thinks I can do all the things. I can be all things to everyone. <laughs> like, yes. But it also can be so freeing because I feel like I have over the past years found this like gray area and I feel like it's always this like evolving thing, mm-hmm. but it feels so freeing because it's like, okay, I don't have to be everything to everyone. And the people that matter most to me don't expect that of me either. But again, it's like a work in progress. And like, I'm, like when you were talking about that, and I don't know if motherhood threw you into that, but it did for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. that I'm a millennial. So I turned 37 yesterday, oh. closer to 40 than I am 30. Yeah. Don't know how I feel yes. about that. Oh my gosh, I know. But like with millennials, I think we are the first generation of parents. I think Gen X tried this some, mm-hmm. but like either younger Gen X, the millennials, we're the first ones that are trying to do parenting while also investing in our lives simultaneously. Yeah. And that, that means that we have to look at these phases of life. So outside of parenting, like we're getting married later, we're pursuing higher education. We're mm-hmm. trying to do these things that having it all concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to be real about what that means to us mm-hmm. and knowing that all isn't possible in the same moment. Yeah. So like I may have to miss some of my kids' soccer games because of when I see clients because that's what works for me. Mm-hmm. But I can explain that to my kid and hopefully yeah. welcome it for him to say, Hey, this game is super important to me. Mm-hmm. Can you come yeah. to this one? Mm-hmm. But do you see how connecting that is? Because then I'm also totally. teaching my kid to state their needs. Yes. And yes. like all like I will tell you everything that I did as a therapist did made sense, but then it made even more sense becoming a parent. Yeah. Because it challenged me to live life that made sense for me and my family. Yes, totally. And for people pleasers, sometimes we have to do it for somebody else in order for it to register for us. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. 
Um, well, I would love for you to speak a little to your planner that you, I can't remember if you said you already launched there, if it's coming soon. It's coming soon. So yeah. the digital version should be out in July. And I say should, but I'm also going to be flexible with that because yeah. I, I'm so chill and whatever happens, happens. <laughs> I'm not freaking out about that at all. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the nine to kind planner is going to be both digital that you can, um, use on your iPad through an app called good notes. Some people love digital planning. It's not my thing, but I know it is a thing. Yeah. So I'm going to learn all about that. Yes. Um, and then the print version will be ready for 2024. So like in the winter, you can get it and prep it for the next year. But I created this planner because our planners shouldn't make us feel like crap. And I think for a lot of us, like I, I keep my planners year after year because I like to look back and it's been a lot about appointments. But as I, you know, started doing more things for myself and scheduled it in, I was like, this is almost like a document of like what my life looked like at yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. And so then I started putting things in there of like um, blocking out my self-care time, mm-hmm. you know, writing things that I felt like I accomplished, like looking at my to-do list and seeing like where I let things go. And I felt like that the planner could be like a, 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 you know, living document of reminding us of what's important, but also how to take care of ourselves because we are equally as important. Yeah. Yeah. And so the oh, beginning of the that. planner will have like therapy worksheets that help with decision fatigue and um, almost like documenting too, like what self-care works for you. So you have this like encyclopedia of self-care for yourself in the beginning and it's weekly and monthly layouts um, with reminders of like self-compassion strategies you can try, um, important dates, what's some boring self-care that you might be forgetting. Like mm-hmm. I didn't go to the dentist for three years because uh, yeah. <laughs> my kid went like five times and uh-huh. I just kept pushing it off. So reminders of our boring self-care, not boring self-care, self-compassion that needs to exist alongside all of our appointments and tasks. Yeah. Because if we want to if we want to find an area of like skillful perfection, mm-hmm. like we need something that helps us along the way with that. Yes. Oh, I love that. Cause it, it sounds very much like meeting people where they're at too, of like, oh, yeah. Hey, you can still like utilize your planner and have all of that, but then let's find ways to also like implement some of this, like self-compassion, self-care, mindfulness, slowing down mm-hmm. at the same time. It's even like where I've debated on how I want to do the habit tracker. I'm still figuring out exactly what I want to do. Ideally, all of our habit trackers would have only like three or four boxes to check for the week. Mm-hmm. But some people like the idea of seven and then getting yeah. used to not checking it Very every much. day. Yeah. So, it, and that's like where I want this planner to be like, mm-hmm. yes, it's, it's great if you're able to do it all the time, but sometimes we let things go and revisit. Yeah. I want it to be a thing like where you can revisit mm-hmm. um, and be okay with it. Totally. Because yes. like planners are morally neutral. Yes. Yes. But yeah, we don't make them. No. <laughs> yeah. They have a lot of morality, which they don't need to have. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, Lauren, where can people find you and find more information on the planner um, if, yeah, they want to get it when it comes out? Yeah. So on Instagram, I am at Lauren Ruth Martin. Uh, the planner is at nine N I N E period two T O kind or period kind. If you just go to Lauren Ruth Martin, you can find nine to kind from there. Yes. 
Um, if you get on the newsletter every Sunday, I send self-care tips and just like a little reminder to like ground yourself, but also tactical ways to schedule your week um, or do things that sound very freely like self-compassion. How do I practically do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find that either on Lauren Ruth Martin or 9tokind.com. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And we'll make sure to link all that in the show notes too. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining today's episode on the free method podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review that helps others discover this message of freedom. Share this with your friends and make sure you tag us on Instagram at free method nutrition. And if you're ready to start your own journey to freedom, I'd love to offer you a free call to chat with me about your health goals. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash free call to schedule yours. We will see you in the next episode.